It is very hot and humid in this jungle. Above me, lots of tall trees, palm trees and other trees. And in some of those trees, very loud birds. I hear the sound of a waterfall. Actually, the sound of two waterfalls. There is one, I think, ahead of me and there is another smaller one here on, on the right. And I'm following this path through the jungle to explore this part of my favorite place right now, which is Burgers Zoo near Arnhem. Um, so it's good to be back here. Uh, I think about a month ago or two months ago, I recorded some walks here too. And uh, back then I wasn't able to explore all the different areas. So this month I will continue my tour of, the, of Burger Zoo. And what I love about this, this particular zoo is that they created these biomes, these worlds, these different worlds that are visually very different. Um, and there are lots of things to explore in every, every biome that wouldn't be able to you know live or grow in any other of the of the places that they here have here so today this week i am exploring the jungle and i'm walking over a, a wooden bridge with some metal railings and there's a small old hut here that they built on the left and it's all kind of covered in plants and the entire space is uh covered by a, a huge glass dome almost like one of those uh, science fiction stories of uh, uh, Stephen King you know the, the dome where of course this glass dome is here to uh, allow them to maintain a steady temperature uh, and a certain degree of humidity and here on the left are some uh, some plants some palm trees that are moving so there's wind and if you look behind them you may be able even to hear it listen to the sound you hear this there are like uh, like ventilators or blowers and, and they constantly blow in hot and humid air so that the the overall atmosphere here under the dome is, um, is that of a tropical rainforest. I'm getting closer to the waterfall, which is, of course, uh, one of the favorite spots for people to take pictures. And it's still relatively early in the morning. The zoo has been open for about an hour, and it's not as busy as it will be later today because uh, this is a favorite spot, of course, for tourists from my country, but also from, for instance, Germany. So here I'm walking over this small bridge. Waterfall is uh, on my right. And what I didn't notice last time I was here is that you can actually uh, step into this pool. There are some literally stepping stones and then you can follow this small path, which, which I haven't discovered yet. <laughs> this is some water coming from the rocks here on my right. And then I'm 
literally crawling underneath a, an overhanging tree and there is this small path uh, surrounded on both sides by lots and lots of huge plants and trees. Some of them have beautiful flowers. Um, and since this is kind of mimicking a, a tropical rainforest, there are always flowers throughout the year. Because, of course, there's this cycle that is not linked to the, um, the seasons that we normally have. I'm climbing up stairs here. And I'm just going to follow here to the right. And here is a warning sign that says, careful for fruits that may fall from the trees. So some, of, some of these trees are producing uh, berries or like bigger fruits. And when they are ripe, they will just fall on the, on the ground. And I guess that normally the animals would just eat them. <laughs> and that's one of the ways in which these plants are, are uh, uh, making sure that their seeds are spread over the territory. Now I'm here in a small, I think you can hear this from the echo, it's a small tunnel that leads to two glass windows. And if I... The window themselves is like one third is uh, the surface of the water and then, and then you can see under the water and there is literally right in front of me this alligator or small crocodile resting in the water. The water itself is a bit um, murky. So this is, uh, let's see, this is the broad snouted caiman. Uh, caimans belong to the crocodilian reptiles. The temperature of the nest determines its gender. That's interesting. The female builds a hilly nest of leaves and soil. She then lays two layers of eggs having different temperatures, thus enhancing the possibility of having both male and female offspring. A few days before they hatch, the young make a quacking sound, which urges the female to open up the nest. The vulnerable young will then be protected by their mother for some months. Broad-snouted caimans spend the larger parts of their lives in waters of mangroves, swamps, and lakes. They are lazy hunters. Without being seen, they can lie in the water for hours waiting for a prey to come near. And that's exactly what this caiman is doing right there in front of me. He is just laying there. His eyes are right above the water. And so if you are not paying attention, or maybe I suppose they also eat fish, you get anywhere close to that to that beak that's just him waiting for for lunch wow there's this other huge fish that is uh, or two actually these are bottom dwellers and they look like rocks they almost have the same pattern the same dark color as the rocks uh, behind them but they have a tail that's how you can tell that they are actually uh, be, that they are creatures, that they are <laughs> fish. Amazing. I guess the caiman doesn't like them because otherwise they wouldn't be together in this pool. <laughs> so let's follow this road and here we go through um, a barrier. This is a, um, a bunch of plastic slabs that are, uh, I think, protecting this part of the dome from the other parts. Wow, look at these nice flowers. This is a like a tree, very 
thin branches, but then every branch has these, oh, these are not flowers, these red things. These are tiny red, they look like flowers, but they're actually leaves. This is how the leaves will start, and then later on when they grow, they will turn green. Amazing. Oh, beautiful, very thick green bird. Oh, wow, look at that. That's an amazing bird. It's sitting there about a meter away from me on a ledge, and it's, it's curiously looking at me. Or maybe it's looking at the, <laughs> at the windshield of my, uh, of my recorder, thinking that it's some kind of other bird. It's got very bright green feathers. And then the underside, underneath, it's just the wings that are green. And underneath it, it is like yellow with black spots on it. Gorgeous, gorgeous uh, bird. And maybe this, this separation uh, was for the birds as well. Some people are looking over the ledge here because apparently there are some more caimans. Oh, actually, what we're looking at is what we saw where we just were. This is the upper side, so we, we went up uh, a ledge. And if you look down... Oh, there he is. I can see the caiman, and he, but now I'm, I'm looking at him from above. It's actually a very small one. I guess he's about a meter long. And his four legs are just hanging in the water. He's clearly just floating. Um, that is so fun. I, I've never been in this part of the jungle. Um, and I get lost because the, the road is like twisting and turning. So you never really uh, get an idea of the total size of the, of the area. What is this? Oh, this is cool. This is another like part of the river that you can see. Uh, I don't see any animals. Maybe they have uh, uh, more fish or I don't know. And then here is an entrance to another cave. Every time I, I'm here, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. <laughs> because a lot of his stories take place in the jungle as well. So I'm going through another plastic separation. And here I'm behind the waterfall. <laughs> These openings here show me the bridge down there where I just walked. And the water here is forming a curtain in front of me, very nice. And then I am out of the tunnel, back into another part of the jungle. And I'll just go to the left, see what happens here. Oh, this is just a dead end. And they have, what do they, they have an aardvark here. Can I see it? Not really, huh. The aardvarks are sleepers. Oh, they're nocturnal. <laughs> so they are probably just uh, doing what I want to be doing this morning, and that is just sleep. However, oh, wow. Apparently there's an animal here. This, these people are just grouping around, what is it? A plant or an animal? I can't tell. <laughs> I'm curious, but... I'm unable to, to uh, see what they are looking at, huddled together. Uh, let's see, let's follow the path to the left. Yeah, let's go up here and see where that leads. So um, I'm not just 
going to talk about the jungle today. Of course, this is the walk I share with you uh, what's happening in my life while I'm taking you for a walk. Uh, and uh, what I was talking about Indiana Jones is just one of the many stories that I love and that I talked about recently in um, in an interview that I did for a news for a Dutch newspaper. Oh, look at that little tiny bird! Oh, I love your colors. Gorgeous. This time. The wings are dark gray, and then the belly of the bird is like this bright orange. Gorgeous. I had this interview um, about my favorite book. So I was approached by uh, a journalist, and they were doing a series uh, on people's favorite books um, that had an, a great impact. And I thought, when I, when I agreed to do the interview, I thought it was just going to be a recent book. So that it was for, I don't know, like a book series. Turns out I was wrong. It was supposed to be the book that has changed your life. Um, going up this hill, lots of uh, other paths that are blocked by wooden fences. Um, tiny, tiny little birds on the branches here. All sorts of birds that you, of course, never see outside in the cold weather of the Netherlands. But here... They are just fooling around. Again, I've never been in this part of the zoo. <laughs> or at least I've been in this, in this dome or under, under this dome, but I've never followed these little paths that you can, that you can find. They're kind of hidden by, the, by the, the greenery. Here are some more of these wind blowers, making sure that the, the, the atmosphere is stable. And let me just go to the right here. We're going down again. So that gave me some pause. So what is the book that has changed my life? And uh, I didn't know if I had just one book. And so in the end, I, uh, I, I told the reporter that I had two options. It was either uh, the book about Therese of Lisieux uh, the saint from, from France who has had a major impact on my vocation. And uh, going up some stairs here. Or it would be um, the, the fairy tale book that I read as a child. And so <laughs> he picked the fairy tale book. Apparently because I had already spoken about... Uh, uh, Therese of Lisieux earlier in another interview that I did for the same newspaper. Um, and that fairy tale book was uh, uh, a book that my par our parents uh, read from every evening before we went to bed. Wow, going down some very small wooden stairs here. And temperature drops a bit because there's water, flowing water, and there's more stepping stones to get to the other side. Wow. Oh, that was a loose stone. Almost slipped. And there's another small waterfall here. Surrounded by green plants with beautiful purple, tiny purple flowers. And I gotta go up this small path. These rock, follow these rocks. Oh, this is a real workout. <laughs> I had no idea. And I go to the left. Oh, we're gonna go over the waterfall. Um, yeah. Oh, here is more water. And another staircase. More stepping stones as well. 
right, let's see if I can. Are these, these are uh, more solid than the other ones. And then we go up some more stairs. So um, every evening we would listen to one of those pretty short fairy tales. There were, I think, 75 fairy tales uh, in total in the book. And it was uh, from the series uh, that was published by Reader's Digest, which when I was young was a big thing. Like uh, It was like a very colorful magazine, like mini magazine that a lot of people were subscribed to. We had like a Dutch translation of, I, I suppose, the American original. And it was a bit comparable with uh, the kind of stories you would see nowadays on TV on Discovery Channel or National Geographic. So lots of uh, science, kind of very much written for for everyone. Um, but it was usually, usually focusing on, on science discoveries or nature, uh, some social topics, psychology, that sort of stuff. And they would also try to make money by... Uh, by publishing uh, books, in this case, this this it was called the best fairy tale book. <laughs> I don't know compared to what, but the best fairy tale book. Now, uh, so I had this interview, and first of all, I was just explaining why I love that book because of all the nostalgia. This this is how my imagination was first triggered as a child, and we'd love we love the ritual of listening to a fairy tale story. And then the more I was thinking about this, the more I realized, well, actually, the real reason that, that this book is so important is that it taught me the, the secret of storytelling and that these, these stories, these fairy tales, have impacted the story that I tell about myself. The way I look at my life is, is in terms of storytelling. Uh, we, we all tell stories about uh, who we are, where we come from. Sometimes we tell stories about uh, about the future. Oh, look at that little lizard that's walking across one of those wooden ledges. This one is bright green, tiny little tail. It's super tiny. Huh. Funny. Um, and... The, what I love about this, the fairy tales is they all have a very similar structure. Um, and it's usually a story of, that, or, or at least my favorite fairy tales were stories about uh, kids that would go from rags to riches. So it's like an orphan who is born in a very uh, poor family or lives in the streets like Aladdin. Aladdin. Um, seems to have no future and then all of a sudden it's or like uh, Cinderella for instance uh, uh, a, a girl who is uh, lives with her step stepmother and uh, stepsisters but she's used as a, almost to do slave work and she is um, uh, she seems to be stuck in that life and then something happens like a call to adventure an invitation to to stand up and become brave and fight a dragon or whatever and then the rest of the story is all these trials all these tests of, of courage of course leading to that person to become stronger to become more courageous more virtuous and then that all 
every test makes the person stronger until you have that final confrontation with the, the, the end boss, the, the big monster, the dragon, or whatever it is, um, the evil witch, and then all hope seems lost. There's always this moment in the story where uh, evil seems to win, and <laughs> the hero of the story seems to fail, and then there is this ultimate moment of courage or whatever, self-sacrifice, that leads to the, the final victory, which is much more huh, gratifying in a certain way, rewarding because of all these trials and tribulations that came before it. And so that, I think, is uh, uh, why when we, when we think about stories that we love, uh, it's, it's almost always stories that make us hope for something, something better. That, that we will ultimately win. And let's go up these stairs here. Not sure where this leads me. Um, but so a lot of these stories are aspirational in, in nature. So they make us hope for a, 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 a happy ending, a future, a victory over evil. And the trials, the tests the fights, even the failures, are part, oh, it's so hot here, are part of the story. And in fact, the story would be extremely boring if it weren't for those trials and tribulations. So again, this is a dead end. I'm right underneath the dome here, and outside the sun is shining. It's a nice summer day, and I guess it's because I'm so close to the, to the, uh, underside of the dome that it's like twice as hot here so I'm not going to stay here but there are some uh, palm trees again and I guess that this is just one of those areas where um, where they can uh, prepare the stuff there are two doors here in the wall so I guess this is just where they um, bring the food in for instance or whatever material of course there's a lot of maintenance going on in this jungle that it's taking place after uh, closing hours when the guests are gone. Uh, let me just go downstairs. Oh my gosh, it is just suffocating up there. Oh, it's funny how much you uh, kind of adapt uh, or you get used to temperatures because now that I'm down below again, this almost feels like fresh air, whereas earlier on, this, this felt suffocating. Oh boy. And so uh, these stories I told the reporter are, um, are helping me to, to look at the things that happen in my life, the events, as part of a story. And uh, oftentimes we, we tend to, if we're not used to, to reading, for instance, if we're not, uh, if stories are, are not that much part of our lives, we tend to look at what happens in our lives as just individual uh, uh, moments and they can be disastrous they can be very tough and we we sometimes fall in the trap of thinking well this is it my life is a failure uh, look there's this other problem it's just my life is just a sequence of mishaps um, and then we get bitter uh, we, we feel like it's in 
unjust. We don't deserve this. We deserve better. But if you look at your own life, including the trials and tribulations, as part of an overall story, I think what, what fairy tales teach us is that these trials and tribulations will pass. They are part of, of the story of your life. And in fact, in hindsight, not, not right when they happen, but afterwards, you will realize that those were actually the moments that you grew the most, that you learned the most. And so this is why reading stories helps you also to tell the story of your own life and to interpret events, even negative ones, in a positive way because ultimately your life story is more interesting because of those trials. So we're, we're um, again on a... Uh, this is a, like a concrete bridge over uh, a river and uh, there is a guy who works here. He's wading through the water with uh, a net and he is uh, picking up all the the fallen leaves of course if you don't do that then they start to rot and that will you know make the waters murky and maybe even stinky so this is the first time that I see them do uh, maintenance during the day uh, there is a sign here that says if in this river there is um, a turtle called the Terakai turtle <laughs> yellow spotted river turtle they cannot withdraw their head into their shells but instead they bend their necks sideways to hide their head yellow spotted river turtles may mainly stay in the water although they do enjoy taking a sun bath on a dry spot the males are smaller than the females and they have yellow spots on the head when they lay eggs they are placed in an excavated hole in the ground as in other species of turtles and tortoises the temperature of the environment during the egg development determines the sex of the offspring. And then another animal that lives in this river is the Pirapitinga, which is a close relative of the piranha. Uh, they mainly eat vegetable food, food like fruits and seeds. Um, as young fish, they behave socially, and as they grow up, they live more on their own and become more territorial. These are from South America where these fish are also kept for their tasty meat. Small individuals are sometimes sold as pet fish. Once getting too large, they are often dumped in nature, and it can happen that a paripatinga is caught in a car pond in Europe. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. So basically these are vegetarian... Oh, I see them here. They're swimming right uh, underneath me. Oh, they're very small. They're much smaller than I thought. They look nice. They've got these, like, stripes on their body. So you could consider them to be vegetarian <laughs> piranhas. That is so funny. Oh, wow, look at that bright-colored red-orange bird. Wow, that's almost a fluorescent color. Looks a bit like a pelican. Uh, not, not a pelican. Um, what you call the, the ones that are standing on one foot all the time? Uh, I, I forgot. Oh, oh, it flies. Wow. Oh, it just flew up. And now it's sitting on that branch. Way up. Wow. I thought, you know, the bird was... a, a lot. Usually these large birds um, cannot fly. Or maybe they're even made to not fly. <laughs> but because this is a dome, I guess it's safe for them to... Uh, 
Oh, flamingos. I was uh, thinking about flamingos. This looked like a tiny little mini, mini flamingo. Um, so where was I? <laughs> Stories. <laughs> and I also said uh, that for me, the, 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 the stories of the Bible are also the bread and butter of religion. So religion, uh, and this is true about any religion, and definitely true about Catholicism, about Christianity, these are religions of the book. In a sense, they, they thrive on stories. Um, the, what we know about Jesus is told to us in the form of stories. It's not just an eyewitness account. Uh, if you look at the Gospels, they are composed. They are literally the authors of the Gospels are telling a story. So they leave out things. They add interpretation. They combine events. And, you know, if you would look at that from the point of view of a scientist or a journalist, you'd say, well, I don't know if that really happened because, look, there is contradiction. And... You can make a, an endless list of contradictions in the Bible, but that's because it's not meant to be a factual account of what happened. It's based on factual events, of course, but they are interpreted by the storyteller. Just like if I'm walking around here uh, and I'm telling you about my walk in this jungle, I emphasize certain things that I see. I also leave out things, like I'm not talking that much about all the German tourists that are walking around here. Um, because I want you to feel like you're part of this jungle. So you may hear uh, people walking by or talking, but I'm not going to stop and do an interview because my story right now is to take you along for this walk in this different world. That is also, hopefully, when you close your eyes and you're listening to this, don't close your eyes if you're in traffic, <laughs> but you can see this world. And so... That's what a storyteller does. Uh, I wonder if I'm going to follow this little path. Ooh, look, there is a... So I can't because it's uh, fenced off. And there's another bird. This is interesting. It's like, it looks like a black bird, but when the sun hits its feathers, all of a sudden you see the spectrum of colors. So it's got these, like, almost rainbow reflections. Fascinating. Beautiful. I guess that makes him super visible in sunny weather, and but then during the night, it is almost invisible because there's no light to reflect on the feathers. And uh, let's see, I cannot go to the right, I can go here. Oh, it's still so warm. Um, how are we doing in terms of time? I always have to check underneath the the windshield, the dead cat on my on my recorder to see if it's still recording because if I walk around sometimes I accidentally turn off the recording and then I'm just talking to myself. Oh, look at that. Two big birds walking on the path alongside the visitors. These are big grey birds with... Uh, they look identical. They have a little bit of a purple breast. And then their head is gorgeous. The feathers are almost translucent. Very uh, intricate structures. Almost looks like lace. As if they are made of lace. Amazing. It's like a crown of lace on, on their heads. Very, very gorgeous. All right. I have no idea where this goes. This is an abandoned 
car. Oh, it's like a <laughs> the remains of a Jeep that has fallen off the ledge here and into the ravine. Uh, ravine? <laughs> there is a there is a a lower part of the jungle there, and so this is this is there to make you feel like in a real jungle where these explorers have had uh, some accidents with their cars and maybe if you would follow uh, the, um, the path down below you would find their, their remains, their skeletons. <laughs> so the, what I love about religion is that it gives you these stories that are meant to make you think about your own story, about your own life and the choices that you make. And I explained to the reporter that whenever we read a story, and it's similar when you go to the movies, it's kind of you, you step in a different world. It's a form of what they call liminality. So it's a liminal experience where basically, imagine you, you go to the movies and you step into the movie theater. Everything goes dark. The lights turn off, but the door closes, and then the music starts to, you know, play the intro of the, whatever, the, the, the movie company or, or something like that. And you're in a different world. The world outside, oh, I can see two turtles sitting on this branch in the water. So this is them taking a sun bath. That is too funny. <laughs> There's one big turtle and a, a slightly s a smaller turtle so I think the big one with the yellow spots on the head that must be the male the male turtle ah why would they take a sun bath if I were a turtle I would just dive into the water and and cool down <laughs> all right up some more stairs this is just an unending twisting road here um the the stories and the stories that Jesus for instance uses as examples they're all meant to create a little story world in which you kind of make reality simple um, there are some choices to be made there are some challenges and by following the characters of this story you may get some ideas on what you would do in this situation and that's why the moment you close the book or you step out of the movie theater you have learned something, you've experienced something, and because the experience itself is liminal and it kind of shields you from all the distractions in the real world, it, it, it creates a learning environment. And so I said, this is the big challenge for us as churches, is we, we have lost this art of storytelling. When you ask young people, what do they think of when they think of church? It's usually about you know, ideology, uh, or if they think of, of going to church, it's about boring, <laughs> boring stuff that people do, rituals that don't speak. Uh, but they won't, they won't, few people will say, oh, I love going to church because of the stories. It's just, I'm in a different world for an hour. And then when I come back, I've, like, my, my life is enriched. But that is supposed to be what happens in liturgy. That is, I think, the art that we need to rediscover. I'm overlooking the jungle here. This is the entrance on my right to the restaurant. Um, and I can see that uh, part of the tables are underneath a, 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 like a, an outcropping of the building, which is completely hidden by all the plants. 
you don't see it if you walk on the paths, but from here I can look on the roof, which makes it very a cool restaurant if you sit there and eat. You feel like you're literally having a hamburger in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> it's, it's extremely cool. So um, you may sometimes hear my phone talking to me, and it's because I'm still uh, like counting my steps and measuring the miles that I walk uh, because I'm on, on another one of those training walks so today I have to walk 40 kilometers I've uh, took me 20 kilometers to get here at the zoo and then I have to walk back about 17 kilometers so I'm trying to do like three kilometers here I'll probably walk more <laughs> because I'm recording the episodes here but that's not a problem um, in a few weeks from now I'll have to walk 50 kilometers for four days in a row so that's 200 kilometers in total and that's why I'm I'm training <laughs> the longer distances these days um, so for the, the, this, this, this was everything that I shared it's like this is why stories are so important this is why I'm so grateful that as a child I've been told these stories and, and every evening like story time would be one of those moments that I, we, we would close our eyes and for a moment we're in a different world we learn about the choices that we make about ideals about heroic self-sacrifice etc etc and had it not been for those stories we would have grown up with different different values so that should be the impetus I think for for the church and we're all part of that church to focus on on good storytelling and to help people through the through stories, not through theory, but through stories, how to live their lives. All right, that concludes this part of my story. Um, I'm going to continue uh, to walk here in the jungle an extra mile for my patrons. Um, and if you want to join that patron community that helps me... Oh, look at that little bird. It's gray and then it's got a white breast and a bright red spot, almost as if he's hurt, as if he's shot in the chest. But it's just feathers. Amazing. And it's, what I love about these birds is they're used to people, and so they get very close. They don't shy away, they don't hide. Gorgeous. So again, uh, uh, for my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick, an extra, an extra mile uh, in which I want to share a little bit more about some ideas that I had about the stories I tell in social media and on YouTube and on TikTok. Uh, I just had this bright light bulb moment during my walk to the, to the zoo this morning that I want to share with my patrons. So thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week and um, stay tuned. There's more to come. God bless.